Our first scripture reading comes from Mark chapter 6, verses 31 through 44. The apostles then rendezvoused with Jesus and reported on all that they had done and taught. Jesus said, Come off by yourselves. Let's take a break and get a little rest. For there was constant coming and going. They didn't even have time to eat. So they got in a boat and went off to a remote place by themselves. Someone saw them going and word got around. From the surrounding towns, people went out on foot running and got there ahead of them. When Jesus arrived, he saw this huge crowd. At the sight of them, his heart broke like sheep with no shepherd they were. He went right to work teaching them. When his disciples thought this had gone on long enough, or it was now quite late in the day, they interrupted. We are a long way out in the country, and it's very late. Pronounce a benediction and send these folks off so they can get some supper. Jesus said, you do it. Fix supper for them. They replied, are you serious? You want us to go spend a fortune on food for their supper? But he was quite serious. How many loaves of bread do you have? Take an inventory. That didn't take long. Five, they said, plus two fish. Jesus got them all to sit down in groups of 50 or 100. They looked like a patchwork quilt of wildflowers spread out in the green grass. He took the five loaves and the two fish, lifted, it to his, lifted his face to heaven in prayer, blessed, broke, and gave the bread to the disciples, and the disciples in turn gave it to the people. He did the same with the fish. They all ate their fill. The disciples gathered 12 baskets of leftovers. More than 5,000 were at the supper. Our second scripture reading comes from the book of Esther, chapter 4, verses 9 through 17. Haddish came back and told Esther everything Mordecai had said. Esther talked it over with Haddish and then sent him back to Mordecai with this message. Everyone who works for the king here, and even the people out in the provinces, know that there is a single fate for every man or woman who approaches the king without being invited. Death. The one exception is if the king extends his gold scepter, then he or she may live. And it's been 30 days now since I've been invited to come to the king. When Haddish told Mordecai what Esther had said, Mordecai sent her this message. Don't think that just because you live in the king's house, you're the only Jew who will get out of this alive. If you persist in staying silent at a time like this, help and deliverance will arrive for the Jews from someplace else, but you and your family will be wiped out. Who knows? Maybe you were made queen for just such a time as this. Esther sent back her message to Mordecai. Go and get all the Jews living in Susa together. Fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days, either day or night. I and my maids will fast with you. If you will do this, I will go to the king, even though it is forbidden. And if I die, I die. Mordecai left and carried out Esther's instructions. The word of God for the people of God. Welcome to Montreat. Morning. Good afternoon.
Hi, Claire. Hi. So the theme this week is about more than enough. What comes to mind when you think about that? Um, when I think of more than enough, I think of how lucky I am to have, like, a bunch of friends and family and just, like, love in my life. I have um, too much love for this place. I love this place. It's beautiful. It's Can magical. Can you have too much love? No. A lot of us are a lot more wealthy than other people and have a lot more um, money than some people. So I feel like I'm blessed in that sense. Uh, my name is Vince, and something I have more than enough of is, like, support. I feel like a lot of my friends are always looking out for me. I've had a couple people text me, like, how I'm doing this week, when I'm getting back, when they want to do stuff like that. My parents are always looking out for me. My teachers and my and uh, people in my youth group are always looking out for me, so I just, like, always got plenty of support in my life. I have more than enough friends and family that care about me. I guess I have an abundance of knowledge because for me, uh, I love to learn and I love to be able to give my knowledge to other people, tell people about the things I know, and be able to help others. Abundance of tired. Especially this week? Yes. Like in my life, I have more than enough of support from my friends and family. Um, my friends back me up on so many different things, and I can always rely on my family to be there for me if I need them. More than enough heat this week. And more than enough love. Jacob just learned this trick. No, what do you have an abundance of in your life? Um, time. And what do you do with that abundance of time? Build Legos a lot. An abundance in my life, um, support from family and friends, a lot of friendship, a lot of love. Oh, my God. The answer is Kermit the Frog. Kermit the Frog is now the narrator of this. <laughs> Zoe, what is abundant in your life? Wait, retake that. I was not prepared for this, Dave. Zamir, what do you have more than enough of in your life? Uh, friends and family. I am Bernice, and I have more than enough clothes. I really need to get rid of them because it's taking up space in my closet. I'm, but it's probably not going to help because I'm probably going to go shopping after I get rid of them. So, but I have more than enough clothes. Zoe, what's abundant in your life? Hi, Aida. Oh, hi. What do you have more than enough of in your life? Um, right now, I'm just um, very grateful to have more than enough great experiences here. Um, it's been really fun, and I've met a lot of new people. What do you have more than enough of right now? Pickles. Pickles. <laughs> well, it's not enough, but, you know, that's a pretty good amount. <laughs> <laughs> I love people. I have a lot of support from people, just like 
in multiple different areas of my life, like friends, family, stuff like that. There we go. <laughs> Devin, what is abundant in your life? I would say good friends and a lot of support from them. What do you have more than enough of in your life? Friends. Um, yeah. I have more than enough stuffed animals in my life. I've had more than enough bouncing. <laughs> Take three. Wait, don't start it yet. I had to think. I was not in this mindset. We have more than enough lemonade. You guys want lemonade? It's free. It's free. It's free. Yeah. Wait, I thought we were. I wish I had more than enough time, but I don't. I have to get a small group. What do you all have more than enough Money. of in your life? Money. Time. Money. Love. Friends. Family. <laughs> Uh, friends. <laughs> I've had more than enough of beautiful views from these beautiful mountains. Lily, what do you have in abundance in your life? Love for this place. Sisters and brothers, would you pray with me? Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations in each of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you, O oh God, are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. It is always such a joy to be here with you on this Sunday when we return from spending a week in the mountains of North Carolina with our youth. That was a fun video to make. Happy Father's Day, Dad. Nice dancing. <laughs> and though Zoe never got to finish her thought, she would love to tell you outside at Linger on the Lawn what she had more than enough of. So thanks to everybody that helped put that video together. You know, Knox Congregation, you hear us each year come and tell you what a special place this is for our youth ministry. Montreat is a place where you can experience the wonder of God's creation with all of your senses. It's a place where our youth meet peers from across the country, people who are going through similar times in life, people who are asking similar questions, facing similar challenges, looking for similar reassurances of who they are, reassurances of whose they are. And I would venture to say that all of us big kids that get to go on the trip would tell you that we are asking most of those same questions still. 
we too are looking for reassurances and remembrances each time we go to Montreat. I think it's just part of our experience as people that we need to be reminded of certain things as we go through our lives. One of those reassurances was captured in the theme this week at Montreat, which was more than enough. It was an examination of scarcity versus abundance, of fear of having too little versus realizing that we probably have too much. This is a theme that God and Jesus bring up time and time again in Scripture. So it's not really a new concept, yet it was one that we needed to be reminded of again. To be reassured by our God that it is true. We can trust. We have more than enough. More than enough because our God is a bountiful God of love. I think the reason that there are so many stories in the Bible with this theme is because the concept is one that we agree with, but it's kind of hard for us to internalize it and live it out. As the very wise Zoe Good said last week at one of our back home meetings, this is a theme we have heard a lot, but in reflection, it's actually really hard to comprehend. I agree, Zoe. We began our week at Montreat thinking about this theme through the lens of Mark chapter 6. This story, which is affectionately known in the church as the feeding of the 5,000, was a fitting story for us to begin with for a few reasons. Besides the miracle of Jesus' resurrection, this story about Jesus and his disciples feeding a large crowd is the only miracle that occurs in each of the four Gospels. This indicates the importance of which it was held to those who were in the early church. And not only is it found in all four Gospels, but two of the Gospel writers, Matthew and Mark, also included a second retelling of a story of Jesus and his disciples feeding a large crowd with bread and with fish. You might wonder why there are multiple feeding stories, and scholars have talked about this through the ages, and they've seemed to agree at least on one point, which is the Gospels were first heard by people instead of read. And going through repetition while hearing something is a great tool to learn. Repetition because this story The story about abundance and seemingly scarce situation was at the very heart of what God wanted to tell us through the work of Jesus Christ. Now here's the thing. There is a trap to be wary of when there is repetition involved. When you hear a familiar story again and again, like this one. This story is likely one of the very first stories you heard if you grew up in a church. It is heard every single year as part of our worships, no matter what lectionary year we are in. It is included in every single illustrated kid's Bible that we have downstairs. And I guarantee you, if you have one at home, it's in there too. It's depicted on artwork, adorning churches all over the world. It has songs written about it. It is given great exposure. And so possibly, when we hear it, 
it can be easy to kind of write it off as one we know. It has nothing new to offer me. I almost sat in this kind of posture down at Montreat when we heard it. Ah, yes, the famous feeding story, nothing to learn here. But God always has something new and relevant and fresh to say to us. And indeed, there was an aspect of this story that jumped out to me this time, which had not really spoken to me as loudly before. And it revolved around Jesus' agency in this text, in what Jesus actually did here to feed these crowds. If you think about most of the miracle stories you know about Jesus, he is the main actor. It is Jesus who is bending down and spitting into the dirt to make mud and then rubbing that in the eyes of the blind so they can see. It is Jesus who is walking into the dead man's room and calling him back to life. It is Jesus who is touching the one who has leprosy, curing them and making them clean. It is Jesus who approaches the disciples who are in a boat by physically walking on the water towards them. In this story, Jesus seems to act very differently. As a reaction to the fears of the disciples who said, we don't have enough food or money to feed everyone here, Jesus has them respond in a different way. He teaches them. He instructs them. He offers guidance. But Jesus is not the one who is doing all the work in this story, is he? He is encouraging the disciples to be the ones to make the miracle happen. We got to hear from the message translation today. And in the message, chapter 37, the text says that Jesus told them, you do it. You fix them supper. The disciples replied with fear of scarcity, and he encourages them to instead keep going. Gather what you have. Yes, that is enough, says Jesus. Jesus does the blessing. The miracle is originated with God, but it is the disciples who do most of the action in the story. The gathering the arranging, the organizing, the distributing, the collecting of the leftovers. The miracle happens not in spite of their doubts, but through them, even when they doubted. They were encouraged to act with God's prosperity in mind, and all were fed, because indeed there was enough. You have Enough, Jesus says, now use it. God's miracle happens through you. You do it. I love this radical reframing of miracles as something that start with God, absolutely, but that can and do happen because of the work of God's people in the world. The business of feeding crowds is our work to do, friends. You do it. God will provide abundance, and then we need to receive it, recognize it, and act through it. When I reflect on my own life, I wonder when you reflect on yours, how often do we respond in this way, 
instead of through scarcity. Isn't it often the case that we fail to act because of our fear or our doubt, because we don't think we have enough, because we don't think we are enough? God's miracle can't happen through me. So it seems this is a two-step process. Step one, recognizing, receiving, remembering God's abundance for us. Step two, do something with it. Help others live in God's abundance as well. We read our scriptures seemingly out of order today, but there's a reason. Our Hebrew Bible text comes from the book of Esther. And this book is not often lifted up in our worship services in church. In fact, I looked, there is only one time in our three-year lectionary cycle in which we hear from Esther, and it's not even the passage that we heard today. It's possible that this is because Esther is one of only two books in the Bible that makes no distinct or descriptive mention of God anywhere in the text. Biblical scholars attribute this absence of the mention of God to two reasons. First, God does not say anything directly to the people in these stories. God also has no prophets or spokespeople speaking on behalf of God here. All of the dialogue involves the mortal characters in the story. Second, there are no overt miracles in these stories. Nothing divine or heavenly happens. All of the action, all of the change happens because of the human characters and their bravery. Much like our gospel story today, it is up to the people to do the work that is needed to make something happen. Now, I'm sure you're all very familiar with the story of Esther because of our youth group's epic 2004 musical, For Such a Time as This. If you'd like to watch it, there are VHS copies floating around. What is a VHS? I'll tell you later. But just in case you somehow missed that production, here is the short, short version of the book of Esther. Esther and her uncle Mordecai are living in exile in Persia at a time when the king has banished his own queen and is holding a contest now to find the new queen. And Mordecai encourages Esther to audition for this role. She goes in and she lands the part. She does this while withholding from the king the fact that she is a Jewish woman. Now some time passes, and one of the king's henchmen, Haman, has his feelings hurt by Mordecai, and he goes to the king and gets him to pass a decree, an order that all Jews should be annihilated from the kingdom. Mordecai is horrified, and he goes to his niece, and he says, you need to go to the king and persuade him to retract this terrible order. And that's where our story picks up today with the text. Esther is worried about going before the king uninvited because that can get you killed. And Mordecai says his famous line, maybe you were made queen for such a time as this. 
It is a striking thought for Esther and for all of us who read this story. Perhaps you have been put into the position you have been put for a reason. Perhaps the abundance of power and privilege that you have is because you are placed in just such a time as this. Esther is stirred to respond. Her people are saved because of her bravery and her courage. She used what had been given to her, and she made a miracle happen. The passages we read from the Bible are ancient stories, but they hold so much value for us today because the same lessons apply to our lives. What if you asked yourself the call that Mordecai said to Esther? Perhaps you, Charlotte. Perhaps you, Chase. Perhaps you, Anna. Perhaps you, Hattie. Perhaps you, Zamir. Perhaps you, John. Perhaps you, Knox Youth Group. Perhaps you, Knox Congregation. Perhaps you have been given an abundance in your life for just such a time as this. If you can accept that and internalize it, what are the causes, who are the people, what are the situations that you feel called to give to from your abundance from God? Your abundance of time, of money, of talent, of space, of security, of food, of clothing, of love. Who can be changed by God if you carry out the miracle that Jesus started? You do it. How do you respond to your abundance? As I pondered this question, I thought about a good friend of mine who was really struggling with the divisiveness he saw in the world, the pain and the hurt that he saw all around, and they responded, his family and he, out of the abundance of space they had in their home and love they had in their family, and they have taken in multiple foster children over the past few years. I want to respond like that. I thought about an email I got while I was riding the bus down to Montreat last week from a member of our congregation who gives and supports every month Foundhouse IHN, who works with homeless families in our city. But they knew there was an extra need this summer especially, and they specifically asked, what more can I do to help? I have resources. Put me to work. I want to respond like that. I think of the stories that I've heard from members of our own youth group, some stories just this week about ways they are fighting injustices in their world through protest, through conversations, through awareness, through small acts of grace for one another. I want to respond like that. I have an abundance and an excess in my life. Maybe it's not there, so I feel bad about it. Maybe it's there because God can use it. Because God has placed me in such a time as this that I can be the one to do the work that is needed to bring about the miracle. 
you do it. You bring about the change, says Jesus. It's always hard for us to come home from on treat. After this, we go back to our normal lives, our routines of work and schoolwork, sports, activities. It will be tempting to call this a wonderful week with fond memories and then to move on with your lives, kids. But what if you don't? What if instead you let the message of God move you into action? What if you take stock of what you have and figure out ways to use it to help other people? What would that look like? Youth, don't let this Montreat experience pass without being changed by it. Knox congregation, don't leave this worship service today without letting the message of God penetrate your very being. You are loved. You are more than enough. You are loved in abundance and with an abundance. Now what can you do with it? In the name of our God of more than enough.